It's time to make the dough rise, the financial podcast with Brian Doe. What's up and welcome to another edition of Make the Dough Rise. Walter Storholt here alongside Brian Doe, certified financial planner at Livingworth Wealth Advisors, serving the Lake Country and beyond with an office in Greensboro, Georgia. You can find Brian online at livingworth.com. Brian, great to be with you this week. Did you have a great Labor Day? Yeah, we did. Uh, we when it's crowded at the lake, we tend to stay off of it. Yeah. And then when I, when all the <laughs> when all the foreigners leave, we then, then we go back out and enjoy it. So we uh yeah, we, we did some good stuff around the house, had my parents over, ate pizzas. It was kind of the usual. That's uh, the exact strategy that my parents live. They live at the beach. And so uh, especially Memorial Day, July 4th, and Labor mm-hmm. Day are the three weekends of the year where they literally try not to leave their little tiny town and try not to even go on the highway and get anywhere near the the mayhem of the weekends. And so mom mom texted me uh, late the, the you know late in the evening on Labor Day and said, well, we officially did it. We went three days without having to leave our street, and I couldn't be happier. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, we, we made the mistake of ordering some carryout from our favorite Mexican restaurant, and Laura went to pick it up, and she got back. She's like, oh my gosh, it was insane in there because you know everybody was in town yeah. for the weekend. Yep. Yeah, you got to get delivery uh, on on those weekends, and if it takes an hour or two, uh, so be it. At least you're not the one in traffic, right? <laughs> exactly. Well, very good. Glad you had a good Labor Day and a restful one. Now you can get back out on the lake for the rest of the fall and enjoy it while everybody else has to go back to school, work, and all those kinds of things and uh, enjoy this new uh, this time of year. Uh, we are in the midst of a great series here on Make the Dough Rise. We're going to stretch this over the course of uh, several upcoming episodes. This is part two of our top retirement mistakes. And on the previous episode, we kind of went through uh, why claiming Social Security too early is often a top retirement mistake that people make. And we have another one to discuss on today's show. We're going to be talking about IRAs in particular. And we're going to get specific, Brian. We're really talking about waiting too long to take IRA distributions. Mm -hmm. So I know that there are probably a hundred different IRA mistakes that we could discuss as part of this series, but why specifically do you want to dive into the distribution side of the IRAs as a uh, you know place to begin and kind of focus on today? Well, just because I like upsetting CPAs. <laughs> Very good. Very good. You guys no. have a friendly rivalry sort of uh, of sorts with CPAs, right? Well, it's it's a different training mindset, and and and, and I'm generalizing here. Obviously, there's some CPAs out there that completely get this and do good tax, long-term tax strategies and planning. But generally speaking, a CPA is trained, kind of hardwired in as a general rule to never incur a tax until you have to. And so their default answer on when should I take a, an IRA distribution overwhelmingly is not until you have to, and never if that was was the case. Well, that's not the case because they do have required minimum distribution rules that begin at 72. It used to be 70 and a half. Now it's 72. There's some talk of it maybe going to 75. But whatever the age is, the IRS does have a repayment plan for your tax deductions that you got going into your IRAs. So this is where I, I, I'm, I'm also going to challenge and, and potentially upset the one good habit or one relatively good habit that people have built around contributing to and delaying tapping into their retirement accounts, that that habit has served people well because the IRA has become one of the largest factors in retirement income, retirement income success. And so this pairs perfectly with Social Security. And 
most people, like we talked about last time, want to start Social Security as early as possible and delay IRAs as long as possible. And I'm here to argue that the total opposite may make far more sense in the long run for you and a surviving spouse than the conventional wisdom. And that's kind of interesting because the rules that have been coming down recently from the government um, and, you know, the changes that we've seen, Secure Act and the, the next iteration of the Secure Act have all kind of been about pushing back that date to give people more flexibility of when they can take those withdrawals, when they start having to take those withdrawals. So that's an interesting element here, too, and I'm sure we'll circle back to that. And as a quick recap, Brian, I think it's an important disclaimer at the beginning of all of these conversations to remember that what this is all in anytime we talk about something specific like this, we have to remember that this is all part of the overlapping nature of any financial discussion, that this is in context with the rest of your financial plan. So don't just take today's conversation and advice and immediately apply it to your situation. You got to make sure that it makes sense in the full picture of your plan. Right, right. We're, we're talking about it in isolation just, just to inform and, and educate. But in our approach, and we've talked about this in the past, there are four pillars of retirement that I have ad- identified, personal, the portfolio, programs, and protections. And, and so today, uh, we are talking you know, very specifically about the programs. It overlaps with your portfolio a little bit, but it's, it's really the laws and rules that impact you in retirement. So Social Security is a government program. IRA distribution rules is a government program. Estate planning and laws and and wills and things that you have, probate, those are all uh, categorized under the programs. And um, that structure allows me to give you a way to pull all these pieces together based on your personal goals, what your portfolio, what you're able to do with your portfolio, what you can stand to do with your portfolio. And then on the tail end, we talk about uh, protections and things like that. So it's a really good structure for pulling all of this together. But again, we're going to talk about it in isolation today, just to challenge assumptions, get people thinking about what's possible. And you know, if you can integrate all of these into one better plan and, and decision, the compounding success is really going to gravitate to your, to your bottom line. So you get to retirement, you've got to start taking withdrawals from various accounts, or you've got to create income. That can come from a variety of sources, and you can also kind of dictate when you start selecting all these things. So like we talked about Social Security last time, people may have a pension, they may have a 401k, an IRA, a mix of other investments and finances coming into the equation. Then maybe, you know, what does the spouse bring to the table? You've got all these different moving pieces. So we aren't necessarily talking about, you know, the government forcing you to make withdrawals later in life and pushing that date back, those required minimum distributions. IRA withdrawals can come much earlier, but quite a bit of flexibility from when we can really start taking that money out. And that's where you're kind of getting to the crux of today's conversation is like, all right, well, how do we figure out when to take that Social Security? How do we figure out when to start those IRA or 401k and those kinds of withdrawals? So how do you start drilling down? Now that we've kind of covered the Social Security conversation in the previous episode, how do we start making that shift to discussing the IRA side of things? Yeah, and and really, uh, and I don't want to say uh, anything that may make it sound like there's some high-level conspiracy or something like that, but the people That's who okay. make— okay. We all like conspiracy theories. <laughs> okay. All right. Here's the conspiracy <laughs> theory for you. I've got, a, I've got a good one. They're out to get us, Walter. They are, they're absolutely out to get us. They want your money. <laughs> they, they truly want your money because for years, the, the idea, the, the origin of the IRA was a great thing. Get a little tax deduction today. Maybe you'll be in a lower tax bracket in the future. 
and you know it's going to help fortify people's savings. It was I think it was all done in the right spirit. But over the years, the rules for withdrawing from IRAs is controlled and driven by the revenue side of the, the government. They're they're literally looking at this and trying to figure out how can we get now the most revenue out of these IRAs. Call me a cynic if you like, but when I do the math, if you delay required minimum distributions, it kind of sounds like they're doing you a favor, right? You get to you get to wait a little bit longer. But if you wait longer, your IRA balance has grown and your life expectancy is now shorter. Do you know what that equals? What's that? A higher required minimum, minimum distribution. distribution. Okay. Do you know what that equals? Higher taxes. Taxes. <laughs> so thank you very much for giving good marketing to a higher tax bill in the future. And, and they, they did the same thing with the stretch IRA that your, your non-spouse beneficiaries used to be able to stretch an IRA out until they were age 85. So a 50-year-old would have 35 years to stretch out an IRA. And so now that has been reduced to 10 years. Hmm, I wonder why. Well, a 50, 55-year-old inheriting an IRA might be in their peak earning years. And now they have to take you know, 10 equal uh, distributions, maybe from a million-dollar IRA. All of that money is going to come out and get taxed at a much higher tax bracket. So when you look at how these rules actually play out and impact you know, people, particularly people with successful children that are, are are high earners themselves. This is a disaster that they've they've cooked up for people who you know, really thought they were doing the right things and have have contributed, saved, built up these accounts. And uh, you know, we we followed the, the the conventional wisdom. So why I'm promoting this uh, and why I'm I'm suggesting this is because the the, the very people who have most benefited participated and and tried to do the right things with with these retirement accounts they're the ones that are going to get hit the hardest by it so um, and I guess that, when you look at this too Brian I mean you have the change in retirement from what it used to be when people would you know have to plan for retirement we've done shows about this before where retirement used to be a much shorter proposition and now it's something where people might be retired for as long as they were working or at least yeah. close to it yeah, retirement used to be a five five to ten year uh, scenario for most people. You know, if you worked till sixty five and lived to seventy seventy five, that that was that that was how it worked. Now life expectancy is vectoring in on eighties uh, or late seventies, early eighties. If you look at combined life expectancies of couples, that can easily get into the nineties for a large number of people. And so, what I'm really getting at here. Is, is about the longevity and uh, protection of the tail end when a surviving spouse or you know, even a couple needing you know, long-term care options or something like that, you want to make sure you've got the maximum flexibility on the, the tail end and not, not go for the quick grab today. You know, if we're really talking about flipping the script on claiming Social Security and taking IRA distributions from immediately starting Social Security, delaying IRAs to accelerating IRA distributions and delaying Social Security, well, that's, that's going to leave people with a gap, right? It's like, well, like I kind of need some income for this, this next five or 10 years. Well, if you look at withdrawal rates, okay, I'm going to do a little bit of, everybody can earn their honorary MBAs here for, for just a second, if you'll bear with me. If you look at withdrawal rates, 
if you had a million dollar portfolio and you needed to draw 0% from that, Walter, in other words, you didn't need a dime from it, what's the probability of a successful outcome of not running out of money from that IRA? Uh, 100%, right? 100%. Because we're never going to take anything out of it. Right, right. So, so a zero percent. Thought that might become rates. a trick question. So I was, I was careful. <laughs> <laughs> good, 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 measured response and a, a very accurate guess. So now let's let's up that to let's say, well, maybe we need somewhere from one to five percent. So I, I can take ten to fifty thousand dollars a year out of this uh, million dollar IRA. Historically, that is a very sustainable rate. I could comfortably tell somebody they could take four or five percent from their their portfolio, and most likely that is going to last two, you know, potentially three decades. You know, maybe more depends on performance and and, and all those different things. But that, if, that's if, where the old like four percent rule, if anybody's ever heard of that, comes from, right? Precisely. Yeah, I think it used to be five percent. Now, because of this low rate environment that we're in, I think they've changed it to four percent. Whatever the the number, but let let's say five percent is is very sustainable. If you start withdrawing at the six to seven percent rate, you begin to see on the tail end because we can't predict what the market's going to do in any particular year. And so six seven percent uh, withdrawal rates. Well, you may run into a multi year down market at some point. You may run into a financial crisis. We may be talking to some people who have lived through those things, and. If you get an event like that, your six, seven, eight percent withdrawal rates, they won't hold up and you could potentially run out of money because you've had to dip so hard into the portfolio early on. So seven percent or more is nothing to plan on unless you shorten the time period. Okay. So, okay. so what do you mean by we, that? If if we draw hard on an account, let's say it may be a 10% rate for five or ten years. That may be very doable if we know what we're going to have to replace it down the road. Okay, so what we are looking at here is the difference between single risk and pooled risk. You living off of your portfolio represents a single risk. You are a single participant, or I mean, maybe you and a spouse, or dual participants, and you have one portfolio and you're going to have one sequence of returns because it's your lifetime. Whereas a pooled risk you see with insurance, with social security, anything, pensions, you've got a large group of participants. They average out all of the variables, life expectancy, market performance, duration of the payments. All of those get spread out over a larger pool of, of participants. And yes, some people are going to collect more and some people are going to collect less. But a pooled risk is, is much safer to the individual than the individual risk. Because obviously with the individual risk, you are taking all the risk, right? If, if you get the bad sequence of returns, if you get bad market performance and your portfolio runs out, there's, there's nobody there to step in and, and bail you out. If on the other hand, you live, if you, if you delay social security and live a long time, the, the guy who has to send that check literally has the ability to print the money to send it. So the risk of you running out of a social security payment is going to be quite low. Same with a pension, uh, a few more risks there, but but generally, you know, you know pensions are, are quite good and safe. Annuities, life insurance, those type of things. So what I'm talking about doing is looking at your portfolio withdrawal rate 
a little bit different. If you can delay Social Security and draw harder on your portfolio for the first five or 10 years of retirement, your withdrawal rate later in retirement can drop down to a very sustainable rate. You know, so so your, your key time period here is, let's say, somewhere between 60 and 70, right? Because 70 is when there, there's no advantage to delaying Social Security, and 72 required minimum distributions are coming right around the corner. So if you retire at 62, 65, 67, any, anywhere in there, those years from retirement to Social Security beginning give you an opportunity to draw really hard on your IRAs. And again, let's say you had the million dollars in an IRA. Well, a 10% withdrawal rate would give you a $100,000 distribution. A $100,000 distribution with a joint spouse standard deduction leaves you a taxable income that's still in the 12% bracket. So now we're able to take this large chunk of money out of an IRA, sneak it out at a lower tax bracket. You know, 10, 12% would be a very reasonable rate to be able to take that amount of money out of your IRA. And that avoids, if, if you delayed the Social Security, you don't have that Social Security coming in and triggering the taxability of it and kicking you up into a higher tax bracket. So does that kind of make sense? It does. Yeah. So the shorter the time period, obviously, the more aggressive you can be with those withdrawals. And so you're saying that you don't have to necessarily look at your IRA as something that lasts you for 30 years. You could view it as something that fills a shorter gap, a shorter period of time if that if the need is there for a higher amount in the short term and then find other ways to fill the back end. You fill the back end with the higher Social Security income because that's going to be guaranteed for you and the surviving spouse will get the larger benefit uh, for their lifetime. So, you know, obviously, we, we, you got to look at your budget and how much cash do you actually need. And one of the immediate objections I get to this is, well, you know, I, I don't, I don't need it. I, I, I don't need a hundred thousand dollars out of my IRA. Why would I go ahead and, you know, force it out? Well, because of that lower tax bracket, if you don't need it, you don't have to spend it. You can save it, put it in your brokerage account. And you can buy municipal bonds, preferential dividends, long-term capital gains, or you can do a Roth conversion. So using, again, using this window before 70, you know, let's call it from 65 to 70, if you retire at the you know, traditional 65 years of age, you've got five years where you could pull half a million dollars out of an IRA, stay in the 12% tax bracket. If you don't spend it all, you can put it in a more tax-efficient vehicle like a Roth or like a brokerage account with, with, with tax-efficient investments, and you will be in a better position down the road by, by taking those steps today. If you just truly neglect it, let that million-dollar IRA grow to $2 million, you're going to be forced once your Social Security is you know, maxed out. Once you, you, you may not uh, potentially need it later, you're going to be forced to take high five to you know, low six-figure uh, incomes from your IRA, whether you want it or not, right? So it's, it's, it's happening. It's coming uh, if you're in this situation. But if you proactively take some steps to, to draw it down, you can permanently lock in higher Social Security. You can permanently reduce 
your uh, future required minimum distributions. And if you do the Roth, you create a pool of tax-free money that you can access later if, if the need arises to get a couple hundred thousand dollars, a few hundred thousand dollars for uh, a long-term care facility buy-in, or if you, you know, in, any kind of emergency that arises, that Roth money never hits your, your tax return again. And it's a, it becomes a very virtuous cycle long-term, but you have to, you have to look at this long-term. You can't look at this and say, oh, I don't want to pay five or $10,000 of taxes today. I'll, I'll wait. I promise you they, they'll get you on the back end. And don't forget that this is the big one. A surviving spouse, if you leave that large balance in the IRA and you've left a larger social security benefit, they're going to get crushed by taxes because the tax tables that they're paying on get compressed to the single life tables. So you can think you've done all these right things and then you, you've got one spouse now with large required minimum distributions, potential enhanced social security benefit, and they're going to pay at the single rate. And, and that can be you know, very, very expensive. And, and add to that, that the beneficiaries only have 10 years to, to stretch out the IRA like we talked about. You have to look at the lifetime cost, the lifetime tax bill that you'll pay with these different strategies. And, and I'll, I'll give you a, kind of an aside, a different topic, but a good example. Uh, I had somebody that retired early, qualified for the uh, Obamacare subsidy for insurance. And, you know, it was, it, was, it was a decent subsidy. I forget if it was a $500 or a couple thousand dollars, something like that. But she wanted to keep her income low so that she could continue to qualify for this subsidy. And well, I said, well, you know, you're, there's a few thousand dollars here that of benefit between now and when you uh, qualify for Medicare. But watch what happens. And I ran the numbers for her of what her future taxes would be by not drawing from her IRA so that she could qualify for this, you know, smaller uh, subsidy today. And it was staggering. It was like tens of thousands of dollars and potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars if, if the scenario ran long enough. But not taking advantage of the long-term strategy and and being very short-sighted about it. So again, I'm digressing into the overlap of all these different programs. But hopefully, we've uh, challenged some assumptions and and at least got people to, to to think about a different way of looking at these two topics and 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 how they interact. Not just for your bottom line, but you know for the tax bill that you would incur over your lifetime. So important to make sure that you're, again, keeping all of this in perspective of the rest of your financial plan, uh, the rest of how everything is organized in your retirement plan, your financial lifestyle. But the, you can start to see now here two of our top retirement mistakes, how they go hand in hand. The first one, uh, taking Social Security too early. And then this one, waiting too long to take your IRA distributions. You can see if you kind of swap the two just some of the benefits that may come along if your situation is a good fit. And so I think it's neat because we see so many people do the opposite of those two things, Brian, but you've brought up some good points on today's show of just why you might want to uh, go the other direction here. But it takes planning. It just takes those extra steps to see if it's right for your situation, right? Yeah, look, I, I tell everybody, run the numbers, know your options, measure the long-term results, and then make the best decision for you. What we talked about today may not fit your situation, 
you may need to take social security. You you may not have the luxury of of uh, being able to draw heavily from from an IRA today. But if you do, if if, if these fa- are are factors in in your retirement income scenario, take the time to run the numbers, compare the scenarios. Don't just take the conventional wisdom and we talk about cocktail party talk, beach talk, things like that. You need to do the numbers for you. Fantastic. And if you need some help doing those numbers and having somebody walk you through those things, a couple of resources that might be helpful to you. First of all, and we were talking about IRA withdrawals on today's show, but these kinds of topics are what are discussed in the 401k trap that Brian and the team at Living Worth Wealth Advisors have put together for you. And we have an opportunity for you to download your own free copy of that great report. Again, it's the 401k trap. You can go to retirementrescue.net to download that for free right now. If you have an IRA, a 401k, 403b, a SEP, or a 457, this is a report for you to check out. You can request uh, as well a complimentary 401k audit to make sure that your contributions are optimized for a tax-efficient retirement. But go ahead and download the 401k trap as a great starting point. And again, that's at retirementrescue.net. And you can also call if you like the old-fashioned way and want to get in touch with Brian, set up a time to chat, ask some questions. 706-451-9800 is the number. 706-451-9800. And we'll have the appropriate links for you in the description of today's show so it's easy for you to find. Brian, thank you for the help. Really appreciate the conversation and uh, looking forward to when we join once again on the episode in a couple of weeks and tackle top retirement mistake number three. What will be on our next uh, podcast? You got a little preview for us? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're going to uh, dive into the portfolio, and this will actually now dovetail very nicely with what you should own, where you should own it, making sure you're getting the most tax efficiency out of the actual investments that you use within these different investment structures. Very good. So do you have the right stuff in the right place or not? And uh, we'll, we'll kind of drill down a little bit into that conversation uh, to see if that's the case in your plan and then what to do if uh, you don't have the right things in the right place. So that should be very educational and uh, looking forward to that conversation. In the meantime, Brian, enjoy the less crowded lake and we'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Sounds good. I think I'll go launch the Wave Runner now. Go, go for it. That's Brian Doe. I'm Walter Storholt. We'll see you next time right back here on Make the Doe Rise. Make the Dough Rise is brought to you by Living Worth Wealth Advisors, with a central office in Greensboro, Georgia, but serving the Lake Country and beyond. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all your favorite podcasting apps. Subscribe today and never miss an episode. Just search for Make the Dough Rise with Brian Doe. You can also visit MakeTheDoughRise.com to listen to recent episodes. If you'd like to contact the show or schedule a complimentary financial review with Brian and the team, just go to MakeTheDoughRise.com and get in touch through the website or call 706-451-9800. Thanks for listening to Make the Dough Rise. Investment advisory services offered through Main Street Financial Solutions, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed.